This is Consumed, a scrappy little podcast about life and flavor. I'm your host, Jamie Lewis, a food and wine writer on California's Central Coast. Season two is sponsored in part by Slow Life Magazine. Slow Life shares the happenings, stories, and personalities that bring San Luis Obispo County to life. I love writing the food column for the magazine, meeting the people behind my plate, and sharing it with readers. Check your mailbox every other month for inspiring stories about folks you want to get to know, places you want to see, and flavors you want to taste. To learn more about how you can get Slow Life delivered to your door, visit slowlifemagazine.com. Zach Andrade is a commercial vegetable farmer on California's Central Coast, which, if you know anything about this industry, means he's been through a lot. I've written for his company, Spinaca Farms, for the past several years, and I've come to know Zach as a friend first and a client second. Even so, I had no idea quite how rocky his road has been. That's what makes Zach so wonderful to talk with. He makes lemonade from lemons. With heart and wit to spare, Zach shared with me how he grew up in King City, studied ag business at Cal Poly, why he was up in the middle of the night picking crushed ice out of a truck of broccoli florets, and how he almost quit farming forever. I think those last two might be related. Enjoy this discussion. It's a rich one. Here's Zach Andrade. Zach, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. You drove down from Gilroy. Correct. How long does that take? Oh, it's about two and a half hours this morning. I just kind of made my way. Um, wasn't really expecting all the construction on 101, but then mm. I don't know why I wasn't expecting there no, to be seriously. construction on 101. So yeah, I just took my time. I'm so, I really appreciate that you drove all the way down to talk to me, little old me on my <laughs> funky little podcast um, project. This is exciting. This is my first podcast. So yeah. um, I, I listen to him quite a bit, but uh, this should be fun. You listen to... Joe Rogan. I do. Yes, I do. My brother was here over the weekend and he told me he listens to Joe Rogan. And I still, I think we, you and I have even had this conversation where it's like, who is Joe Rogan and why does everybody listen to him? What does he do? He's a, I mean, entrepreneur first, um, but he's most known for his stand up, and then and then he was on a few different sitcoms, um, really, a few HBO specials, Um, but then probably. his, uh, uh, he calls fights for the UFC. So that's probably, he was one of the early ones, you know, when Chuck was big here in town, he he was, he was the one that was calling Chuck's fights for a while. Um, and so a lot of people know him from that, but, Hmm. um, his podcasts are, are pretty, pretty amazing. I think, um, some of them go off the rails a little bit and, and, uh, but other ones are pretty, pretty insightful and, I mean, as they do, they all go off the rails. Yeah, Everything a little goes bit, off the rails. a little bit, but yeah. that's good though. Sometimes, sometimes you need things to go off the rails yes, to, to make it interesting. Um, well, I know you because, uh, we were introduced through some friends. Um, you are a farmer. I mean, you are a farm management guy. You are a, how do you, if you were going to meet somebody at a party, what would you say you did? I tell them in, I'm in the organic vegetable business okay. and then their, their eyes light up like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's so awesome. It well, is. It's as much farming paperwork <laughs> as it is farming the vegetables and anymore. But, yeah. um, but, uh, so our family of, of businesses, we have separate businesses, but, uh, we're in production of agriculture. So we, we grow, we harvest, uh, we procure, we have a brokering side mm-hmm. and we, uh, market and sell organic vegetables, for the uh, the fresh market, 
the uh, freezer industry. So think um, organic spinach that would end up in like an, an Amy's Kitchen type pizza mm, mm-hmm. that goes into the, the frozen food industry, uh, the juicing industry, and uh, this kind of this new classification, the functional foods industry. Yeah. And so that's been a it's been a big one for us. That's been the most exciting piece, although it is thrilling actually to talk about what's the process of you harvest there, you, you plant this stuff, you harvest it, it goes, oh, I like thinking about all the channels it goes to. So you can be in what they call the wet rack in a grocery store, right? Correct. But you also could wind up, you know, hi- dehydrated and powdered in a drink mix or something or like that. Or in dog food, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, how did you get into that? It's a good question. Um, ag wasn't always what I wanted to do. I, you know, I grew up in ag. My, my father's been farming since the the early seventies up in the Salinas Valley in, in one capacity or another. And so growing up, you know, it was, everything was ag, 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 um, you know, vegetable row crops. Um, one of your earlier guests, um, James had mentioned the vegetable business is such a grind mm-hmm. and, it, and it really is. And so it's, it's seven days a week, constant, constant. And so, you know, as a kid, um, living in King city, it was like, do I really want to do this seven days a week? You grew up in King city. I grew up in King city. That is legit it right is. there. You have to be like a <laughs> street cred right you, there. <laughs> it is. You have to be a strong individual to come. I mean, not yeah. for any reason, but it's like, I just see it as harsh conditions. A lot of the time, extreme heat, mm-hmm. super chilly, lots of wind. Am Tons I right about wind. all that? Oh. Tons of wind. I I used to work at the the King City Golf Course when I was in junior high, and uh, you know, shag balls, clean toilets, you know, for free golf and for fifteen an hour, and uh, that was on the very southern end of town, and my house was on the very northern end of town, and I would have to ride my bike across across town into the wind and I would beg people to throw my bike in the back of their pickup so I didn't have to make that make that drive or that's what I uh, think about bike ride punishing wind anyway so you grew Uh, up in King City grew up in King City and then uh, moved to Pass Robles in 95 family relocated so finished high school there and then went to uh, to Cal Poly and you know, one of the things about going to Cal Poly, obviously ag-based, but you have to declare your major. So right? stinking early. It's And I'm like 17 years old. And the last thing yeah. I'm worried about is declaring what I want to do for the rest of my life. You know, and that's right. the mindset you're in at 17, right? I'm going to be this or I'm going to mm-hmm. be that. And and so uh, I declared ag business with, uh, at the time, a, um, a minor in wine marketing. And so a lot of that had to have come from your family of origin, sure. growing up watching yeah. your dad. Yeah. And yeah. did it go back further than your dad? Is it grandparents were not involved in? No, nope. my, uh, my grandfather, uh, on my dad's side passed away when he was 16 mm. and he was actually a warehouseman in, uh, San Lucas, mm. just, just about eight miles, 10 miles South, of a King city, even a smaller town than, than King city. We're talking maybe a thousand people. Yeah. I've never heard of San Lucas. Yeah. So you know where the green bridge is when you're headed South of King city, it's kind of like that green bridge on yes, the right. Yeah. That, that corridor right there east and west is san lucas but i don't see am i thinking of the right place i don't see anything there if you look back up if you're headed south and you look back up to the east there's um, a couple of streets up there and some grain silos and that's san lucas wow so of course what's coming to mind right now and i think the first thing i said to you when we first met was oh so like east of eden john steinbeck yeah business so that's your stock pretty much heavy and uh, going all the way back to Oklahoma. 
so yeah so uh, on both sides so my my grandmother on my father's side um, was um, Oklahoma, and so was my grandfather on my mom's side. Wow. But I usually tell people I'm Portuguese and Italian because that's like the, the sexy part of me, you know? <laughs> well, but so many of those folks were. Yeah. No, a- absolutely. And so um, my my grandfather, my, my mom's dad did come over kind of grapes of wrath mm-hmm. um, time period through, you know, needles and worked along the way. And they ended up settling up in Greenfield, so mm-hmm. just just north of King City, yeah. another small town, um, but all with you know strong agricultural ties mm-hmm. to, um, you know, to that area, and uh, but it was like I said, it was seven days a week, and so you yeah. can imagine growing up and dad's always at work, dad's always at work, dad's mm-hmm. always at work. I was like, I don't know if I want to do that, and yeah. so I actually so I, I did major in, in ag business, you know, fell in, in love with wine like mm-hmm. everybody else that's that's down here. Um, but never really pursued that past, just my love for drinking wine. Well, and still early, I would say, on that it's not like students coming now who are declaring, you know, wine and vit when they're not even legal to drink. Right. Um, right. And we didn't even have the major then. It was just right. it was the the minor was still in its infancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had some really good professors. You who know. did you have? Uh, Phil Dobb. Oh, yes. Yeah, Phil Dobb. Is Phil still there? No, he passed away. I okay, believe. that's yeah. what I was thinking that maybe he wasn't there. Keith anymore. Patterson. I don't know Dr. him. Dr. Patterson. He uh he was one of the original in the in the wine uh minor mm-hmm. and did all the vit. Um he was from Arkansas, had this little southern drawl that, you know, I was like, you've been out of Arkansas a while, but you still have this drawl <laughs> too, you know what's going on, but he was great, you know, good professor, very knowledgeable, yeah. loved to party with us, you know, yeah. was the, the um, advisor to the Vines to Wines Club, mm-hmm. which was um, which was a great time. Yeah, and you were part of that Vines to Wines Club? A couple years, yeah, a yeah. couple years. Um, I feel like the power of a good teacher is everything. Phenomenal. Yeah. It, it wasn't until, it wasn't until I got into the 300 and 400 level classes that I even appreciated the ag program yeah um it was very monotonous boring to me um the first couple of years to where i was actually looking at transferring out of it and just going straight business because you know when when i came in it was you know the first couple of years it was you know the ag program is oh this is what the commodity market's doing it's and so soybeans and rice and I was like, I have no desire to move to the Midwest, mm-hmm. you know, and so what am I, what am I doing? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that wine minor and then having, you know, Phil and Keith, a um, couple other professors, they kept me in it. Were you able to sure. call them Phil and Keith? Uh, outside of class. I was yeah. always very, very respectful. Yeah. These guys sound like they're outside of class a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were. They were. You know, uh, d- uh, Professor Daub was also the advisor for NAMA. Um, the, it was with the North American marketing association. So there was always, you know, a group of, of heavy hitters in the marketing class that would join this and they would go take a, um, take on a project from an actual, you know, consumer packaged goods company Mm -hmm. that wants to introduce something new to the market. And they would do the entire marketing program for it and then Mm -hmm. go to, it's almost like a competition and and see how well they do. And and, uh, he was very good. That's Cal Poly. I mean, you know, all fingers in Cal Poly. Step up, yeah, absolutely. That's very cool. Um, Did you, growing up, uh, what was it like being a kid? I mean, what was it like in your family? 
And where do you fall in that lineup of kids? So I have an older sister. She's about um, she's about 14, 15 months older than me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's close. So close, <laughs> especially back then. Right? Oh, yeah. It's uh, it was a uh, it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Is she still around? Oh yeah, no. She uh, she lives in Paso Robles. Um, oh. She works for the postal service up there. She okay. never uh, had a desire to to jump into the family business um, at that time. Um, but but really, we've only been a, a family business since '01. Mm. Previous to that, you know, I was in, I was in school still, and my dad was um, still in the ag industry, mm. but based out of Salinas. So he was kind of commuting back and forth and kind of all over. Um, but um, I, I didn't join them until 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a stint with a, a local developer for about three years. Local uh, here? Yeah, in Paso oh, Robles. So okay. uh, one of my one of my good friends, uh, Wes. His dad's a developer. He and his dad now are, are, are developers up in uh, Paso Robles, mm-hmm. uh, Australia Associates. Yeah. They're responsible for River I can Oaks. see their logo, yeah. Yeah, so um, uh, knowing them, they were just starting to build the first phase back in, you know, 2001-ish of um, the River Oaks facility off of yeah. Buena Vista Drive. And they have a component to that, which was a restaurant and golf course, but mm-hmm. they had, you know, some land constraints. And so... Um, we came up with an idea for a six hole player development golf course. And, mm. um, uh, Dick Wilhoyd gave me the opportunity to run with it as my senior project at Cal no Poly. Yeah. So, um, so with the classes I was taking, it was my senior project. It became a marketing plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the marketing group that worked with me, we ended up presenting, um, you know, our findings to, um, to, to Dick and Wes, um, back in, I think it was 01, uh, built it and opened it in 03, mm-hmm. um, stayed for a short time after that and then jumped That's into the family business. Yeah. So it's still, it's still there. Uh, the restaurants changed, um, formats a couple times, but the golf course is still there and it's the first six old player development golf course of its time. When you say player development, that mean is that like co-op? No. So, so golf has always had, a, a an issue. It's a rich white man's game, yeah. right? And and I'm, everybody knows that, right? And so the problem with that is that there's all of these other um, age groups. Wait, I have to go back for a second. Okay. I'm thinking, I'm like, my wheels are turning backwards. Some people I dearly love are not rich <laughs> or male and they love golf. And I just need to like, I need to cover that. No, not no, no. everybody's rich it, and white and yeah, male. And I'm not trying to make a, a statement. No, with but that. that's the stereotype. But it's sure. totally the stereotype. It's the it's the Bushwood Country Club, yes. you know, um, type scenario, um, and so the the issue with that though is you're eliminating all other potential players. And so what we did was we went through, and especially in, in women and children, and we and we identified what was keeping them from playing golf. Mm. And so um, it was primarily intimidation. Yeah. And so then we, we, we drilled down, well, what's intimidating? It, it, was the, it was the lingo, it was the architecture, it was you know, the dress code, yeah. it was the um, demeanor of the golf pros. Yeah. Um, it was all of that. And so we worked really hard to eliminate or minimize um, all of those in, in a in a very specific and, and methodical desire to to make that course available to more women and children because mm-hmm. they also represented the, the the biggest opportunity for growth in the game. Yeah. Um and, and so it was 
way before its time yeah. and it was it was knocked by every golf consultant that you could really? imagine oh yeah because again it's where's driving range it's we, prohibitive we don't have a driving range yeah. we didn't we didn't have room for a driving range and then look at the statistics out that golf is producing the data that says you know driving range round not rounds but buckets are down you know yeah. and so why should we go take another five six acres and and build a driving range yeah well, it's not going to work. Where are they going to practice? Practice on the course. Yeah. Practice the shots you're trying to make. Yeah. Um, not see how far your driver can go left or go right. Um, That's so interesting. I also think, I think of all the money my husband and I spend on our kids. There's huge purchasing power in that demographic as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking of some other friends right now who have their kids in, um, I don't know if it's first tee necessarily, but mm-hmm. the kids golf lessons um and what a great sport like if you really think of it as sport not just as i think uh, of it sometimes it's like a hobby or a pastime but an actual sport with you know strategy and physical exertion and mm-hmm. all that and these kids are just blossoming with it yeah no it's a it's a great sport i'm trying to get my two oldest involved mm-hmm. and they're still trying to figure out you know, if, if, if they like to hit the ball, like a baseball or like a golf ball or, um, my my daughter, my oldest daughter's kind of taken to it a little Mm -hmm. bit easier than, than my son, but both very enthusiastically. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I did that. I I worked for a developer and I absolutely, he was incredible to me and the opportunities that, that he gave me. Mm. Um, but at the time, um, my parents' company, Spinock Farms was just starting to grow and at the same time, um, food safety became a, a big buzzword. And this mm-hmm. was back in, you know, 04, 05. Um, you know, technologies were getting better at, at testing pathogens. Was there a big um, scandal that happened right in that time? 06, if you refer to Is that the to spinach? The spinach, yeah. yeah, spinach crisis. And and that, uh, that really broke our back from a, from a, a farming company standpoint because we were the company that... Um, the partners, original partners in Spinaca Farms were also original partners in, or partners at the time in the, the company that, that, um, that got fingered on that. Oh. And so, um, it was kind of a double-edged sword. It was great because we had all kinds of leverage to get all our product harvested and into them, but then we couldn't sell it anywhere else. And then mm. since we only had that one customer and that customer is now not producing anything, oh boy, we didn't, we didn't harvest an acre for five months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was in, uh, that was in 06. Yeah. Yeah. And when did you come on officially? Did you say end two? of 04? Okay. So welcome to farming. Yeah, welcome to farming. <laughs> Here's your bill. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. So and, you've grown uh, steadily though since then. Oh yeah. I, and it feels like kind of explosive lately. You know, um, the iteration of Spinaca Farms that we're in right now really started in um, 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, previous to that, really after the, the spinach crisis, it was kind of like one of those things where you stub your toe and you go down and grab your toe and you hit your head on the coffee table and you oh. come back up and hit your head on the on the cabinet door. Um, slapstick. Slapstick. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it was sort of a, um, a waterfall for us at that point. It was the spinach crisis and then we had some production issues and the economy got bad. Mm-hmm. Things got really tough and we ended up uh, going broke. You did? I, I what did, does that I mean? Did. 
Um, there's a, a a section of the U.S. Bankruptcy Code, like uh, chap- close to the Chapter mic. <laughs> Seven. Um, that's what that's what happened to us. Oh gosh. That's well. Let me back up. The decisions that we made um, put us in a position that that was the um, that was the only choice really, yeah. and got got pushed into it as much as we were trying to figure out how to stay out of it and, and, and make amends. There's some people, they just don't want to hear it. Yeah. And so, um, hmm. yeah, it was a tough, how do you come back? Tough from go. That? Um, not to be cliche, but one box at a time, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was particularly tough. Um, my wife was pregnant with our, our first kid. Oh, so my word. Yeah. Oh, tough go. But, you know, you suck it up. You make a decision. And you were um, the face of that? Uh, Well, my parents and, and myself, yeah, yeah the okay. three of us, you know. and um, You know, you go through something like that. You're basically bearing, bearing your ass to the world on mm-hmm. everything that you have or don't have. And, you know, people have their own. People automatically make up their minds on what kind of person you are or, or mm-hmm. what you did wrong. And, um, you know, people that might folks that helped establish businesses over the years were like the first ones to make sure they had their foot on our head when we were, we were going under, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people afraid to, to, to get close to you because they think they're going to catch something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so you go through that for a while and, um, you know, it gives you time to think, um, you replay everything in, mm-hmm. in your mind about what, what happened, um, you know, how it's not going to happen again, what you're going to do, you know, for those people when, when you quote unquote come back, you know, and, and, um, you know, there's always these stories, oh, he came back from this or they came back from that. Mm-hmm. It's tough because it's not just, um, it's not just a moment in time that you're being penalized for. It's all the, all the things that lead up to the situation. And then it's, what you don't have access to after that and then what you do have access to capital equipment a lot more expensive because you're Mm -hmm. you're a risky you're a risky target you know and so so um, the the uh the bank doesn't forget nobody forgets nobody Mm -hmm. forgets some forgive um you know some say hey when you when you come back come see us you know Mm -hmm. other people are we don't ever want to see you again. And so, you know, you work through that. I mean, I, I liken it to, you know, you're trying to make decisions when you're going through something like that um, while you're getting punched in the face the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so the decisions that you're making have uh, uh, lifelong consequences after that. And so it's like, you know, and, and you're like, okay, you talk to the lawyer. What's the lawyer say? And the lawyer's like, well, you know, keep your hands up, protect your face. He was like, okay, mm-hmm. hey, thanks. Appreciate that. We, we, we pretty much figured that out after we, you know, got punched the first time. Wow. And so, um, I just, I made a decision. I, I made a decision that, that, uh, it, it was, it was our fault. It was the decisions that we made mm-hmm. that put us in the position for that to happen. And so once I did that, as opposed to, you know, blaming this person or that person or a bad contract or, mm-hmm you know, tough employees or, or anything like that, it made it a lot easier to make the next decision, which was that, you know, my unborn child wasn't going to pay for, you know, for my mistakes or mistakes that I was, um, you know, partly responsible for. Mm. And, uh, and so once I did that, I, um, I just hit the phones. I, I had, uh, um, you know, cultivated some, some friendships that, uh, had led those 
friends to become buyers at places. And so I called him up and I said, Hey, this is what's going on. Um, what, what do you need? Are you looking mm-hmm. for something? You know, I, I can go buy it. Um, and so I just started brokering and, you know, my mom was doing the books and, you know, my dad would run out and check fields and, you know, we had, um, you know, people in Santa Maria willing to take a little bit of a risk, um, you know, on a couple products for us and, um, built it, built it back up. We had, we had one customer and that customer was going to get whatever they wanted when they wanted. Um, and then that was it. That was the bottom line. I mean, we had a situation where, um, you know, you only get a couple of strikes with these customers before they, before they turn to someone else. And so we had a, a strike against, you know, a, a truck showed up late, mm-hmm. you know, that was a strike one, you know, the buyer can only protect you for so long before they catch a bunch of heat. And, uh, it was like, you know, something else happened. And then, and then, uh, you know, we were, we were, um, selling them uh, broccoli florets, mm-hmm. but they wanted it iceless because they, were afraid of the the origin of the water that made the ice that could potentially be a, a vector for a pathogen. And so um, I get a call from the trucking company that's picking up these iceless uh, broccoli florets, and they're like, hey, there's ice in it. And it's like snow cone ice. They yeah. just blow it in there. And so it was like 11 o'clock at night, so I, I got my ass out of bed, and I went down there, and I picked the ice out of the broccoli florets. Oh, my gosh. And Because uh, I, I didn't have a... There was no, there was no strike three. No plan B. No plan B at that mm-hmm. point. You know, we were still, um, you know, everything that we were making was going to pay for legal fees to, mm-hmm. um, you know, fight the, fight the vendors and, you know, try and you know, clear our name essentially, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so it was, yeah, it was a tough go for a long time. And then, mm-hmm. and then that one customer we had went bankrupt. <laughs> Uh, yeah so it was it was uh it was trying times and this was this was really um 2010 2011 sorry 2011 is when uh, the event happened and then just the multitude of lawsuits and legal bills and Hmm. and then you know as that started to you know you take them on one at a time Mm -hmm. you know one gets settled one goes away uh, you know, you make amends with who you can, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, started kind of picking, picking ourselves back up a little bit. Um, that's when, you know, I decided that you can't have, you know, just, I knew you couldn't have one customer, but at the time that was about the only one that would touch us. And so, um, I said, the only way we can do it is to get out in front of people, you know, but at the same time, you're like, you know, you're fighting this, but you're, trying to build a brand and 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 so that's when I you know came down to 3i design at the Mm -hmm. time um which had been um the owner there was also a friend of our our lawyers and so Mm -hmm. I was explaining to our lawyer kind of the kind of the the quagmire we were in as far as you know wanting to get out and, and market to increase business but at the same time you know trying to fight the fight fight the battles and uh that's where I met April April was, mm-hmm. uh, April Worley, um, <laughs> was, uh, um, I think she was not lead design, but I can't remember what she her was title was at like the time. A, if she, I remember right, she was almost like a project manager, yeah, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and she actually helped, I would spew out all the things mm-hmm. I was thinking about what the brand should be. And, uh, she's able to like translate that into yeah. something visual and um, marketing material, and so that's really where the Spinock Farms is that we mm-hmm. have today. Mm-hmm. That's really where that started from, and that was really um, 
I want to say about 2014. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, about 2014. Um, Let me just, I, I want to stop for a second because I started laughing when you said chapter seven, first of all, because I'm, I have no filter. And second of all, <laughs> second of all, because um, I, I've been seeing that I laugh when I'm uncomfortable a little bit lately I was when you said chapter seven yeah you said you wanted you said you wanted a spicy interview so I I I think um I do failures are pretty spicy no but I think the point is I I'm just realizing as you're telling me this I came to work with you guys uh 2000 maybe it was like 2015 Mm -hmm, something like that mm -hmm. and when I met you I was brought on to help out with some of that brand building right I had no idea. I just had no idea that that was why you were there is mm-hmm. to get out in front of people and you mm-hmm. needed something really good. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me that you can, first of all, not have any idea what somebody's background mm-hmm. is. And second of all, you can look at someone and think they have everything going on. You know, yeah, and uh, yeah, because you and Brock walking in like your glasses, <laughs> like you just got off a plane, right? Which maybe right. you did game, actually. Game face, game yeah, face, total yeah. game face. <laughs> and I just, I didn't realize so much of this was going, any of it was yeah. going. It's on. It's not usually an icebreaker for me to bring it up, um, <laughs> but Aww. if it is brought up, um, I'm not shy about talking yeah. about it, and and oftentimes, you know, people will kind of like, oh, hey, you know, how you doing since you know, I'm mm. like, since what? well you know no what be, be more specific what exactly? yeah and so you know turn in the awkward moment i revel in awkward moments now because mm. i've lived in them for so many years yeah. um it it doesn't bother me i mean it is what it is i can't go back and change it mm-hmm. i've certainly used those um extremely difficult lessons as um as i feel filters um moving forward you know and you know, there's always company that's got an idea or someone that's got an idea that they bring to you and certain things get said or or certain things don't get said or you push them on certain things and you know it it brings up the radar it's like oh i've been to this been Mm -hmm. to this rodeo Mm -hmm. before you know and so ptsd lots of ptsd yeah yeah, for sure and so you know it's one of those things that was an incredibly difficult lesson Mm -hmm. um and, and and still you know working through it um still working through it definitely not um out of it by any means you know we've we've got a few more years of that um but you you just keep swinging you know get up get up and go and you're gonna get kicked in the teeth um but you gotta keep moving Mm -hmm. and like i said there was no way that um there was no way that was gonna be the end yeah close the book for for me and and my family and so you just get up and fight yeah you know did you ever think about leaving the farming business? I told myself I was never going to farm again, mm. ever. And two years two years post that, um, I opened up a little side farming company up in, in Gilroy, my wife and I, that grows products for Spinaca Farms to, to market. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was so many things that you go through, and then um, you go back to the root of what, caused it and it's like you're i was i was jonesing to get back into the dirt mm-hmm. i was jonesing to get back into the dirt I, I spent two years just in a chair trying to broker um and there was a huge there was a huge tug for for not wanting to be in ag 
when I was growing up, as soon as I was not able to do it, it was, um, it was difficult. Hmm. So, but, uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't think there was ever a time that I wanted to get out of it. There was aspects of it that I no longer wanted the risk or all of the risk on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, farming is, uh, you know, you've got better odds in Vegas of being a profitable farming company. I mean, mm-hmm. people talk about, oh, I, I, you know, I play with this hand or that hand and you go to Vegas. Oh yeah, really? There's guys playing with million dollar hands every day. You know, the the price of romaine changes 25 cents and you know, they've just lost $3 million. Oh, that's, gosh. that, that's a, that's a big boys game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, previous to, to 2011, you know, we held all the risk. Yeah. So we financed all the farming and then, you know, waited to get paid if, if we got paid. Um, a lot of times, um, there's a lot of nefarious individuals mm. in the, in the industry and there's a lot of good people. There, there's a lot of good people. I mean, you, talk about family legacies and, and, um, people that have that tug back to the dirt. Those are the people that you want to deal with. When you say there are a lot of nefarious people, is it like shysterism, that kind of stuff? Oh yeah. There's, there's just so much room because, you know, yield swing, um, truck weight swing. Um, a lot of the deals are, are based on the pound. So is it, is it uh, delivered pounds? Is it shipped pounds? You know, if, if, uh, uh, tar- double tear weights will be taken and then, you know, the, the receiver will feign ignorance. Oh, you know, we've mm-hmm. got a new, a new guy at the scale, but you know, it's a game of pennies. And so at the end of the year, if, you know, you're, you're missing a half a million pounds, it's, it's, it's a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then the flip side of that is, you know, farmers do what they can. So maybe they put a little water on the product, you know, mm-hmm. water weighs, I don't know, 8.6 pounds per gallon. And if you're getting paid by the pound, I mean do that or go broke, you know, I'll take the water, you know? So, um, it's just, it's, it's your, your day trading a perishable product. And so Mm. there's no, if you don't sell it, don't harvest it today. Oh, I'll catch it. I'll catch it uh, tomorrow. There's none of that. You know, it's, Mm. it's a disc Yeah. and, uh, and that's it. And so, like I said, it's a, it's a big boys industry. Um, and you know, we're, we're just, we just want the crumbs. That's all, that's all we're doing. We're just, we're just the crumbs because you can you can have a nice life on, on the crumbs. I want to take a minute to share about one of my supporters on the Consumed podcast. If you're listening, you're probably a fan of good food and good people, right? Well, coming soon, the San Luis Obispo Public Market at Long Bonetti Ranch will bring fresh flavor, fresh faces, and fresh inspiration to the Central Coast. Let me tell you, this is going to be a very big deal. Long Bonetti Ranch was established in 1880 and is named after George W. Long and Florino Bonetti. The ranch housed horses and dairy cows and produced grain, veggies, and flowers. The Slow Public Market will honor the Long and Bonetti family legacies with local purveyors of different foods and ingredients, ranging from a brewery and a cheese shop to tacos, coffee, ice cream, juices, spirits, and my personal obsession, bao buns. There's lots more to come, and it's all coming very soon. To learn more about the Slow Public Market or for information on becoming a merchant there, visit slowpublicmarket.com. Am I right in thinking you have property down or you farm down in Mexico as well, right? We, we were down there for a time. Oh, that, okay. That, yeah, that's a whole, whole other ballgame. Um, we currently have a grower that packs green onions okay. for us year-round in Mexicali, hmm. which is, is a pretty common um, uh, relationship with, yeah. with shipper, U.S.-based shippers. 
marketers and, and growers down there. Okay. Um, we, my, my father actually farms uh, for us in Morro Bay. Oh, yeah. oh, I've seen images of that. It's yeah. in that really beautiful, isn't it between Los Osos and Morro Bay, sort of like in that little Correct. culvert there? So, it, so it's actually the uh, the Jones Ranch. John Jones, he's a mm. he's a local rancher. Hmm. He, uh, he's he got a couple hundred, I think it's about 250 acres there. So my dad farms uh, conventional Brussels sprouts and uh, cauliflower there um, for a company that... Um, Turns the cauliflower into like cauliflower crumbles. Yeah, you know the Brussels sprouts and you know sliced shaved. and diced and yeah. shaved. Yeah, exactly. But um, we farm there, and then we we farm up in in the Gilroy Hollister area. Yeah, and then we have a number of farmers that you know um, trust us to to market their products for them for mm. you know a commission. Um, are the Brussels sprouts there? Are they year round around here? Ah, uh, that's a good question. My real question is: Are they up right now? They are. Okay, so I know where that is because we went to Cayucas on Sunday a couple yeah. days ago and we were passing by there. It is the prettiest little area at the bottom of that. I can't remember which peak that is, Chumash Peak or something like yeah, that. I'm not sure, yeah. Shame on you. I know, I know. Oh, gosh, it's so beautiful, though, and we saw rows and rows and rows of them. Yeah. And I was thinking, isn't this like a... I, I picture Thanksgiving dinner as the time when you have Brussels sprouts, but we have the kind of cycle and the kind of conditions right. where you can do that. Right. We actually get a, a couple of crops off there. So we get a, a summer crop and a winter crop there because okay. of, you know, it's like 65 year round mm-hmm. in, in Morro Bay, you know, and as I'm sweating at 95 degrees in Hollister, my dad's laughing at me cause he's like, Oh, I had to go get my jacket on. It's 65 <laughs> down here. I was like, yeah, yeah. All right. Good for you. Well, it's just, it goes to show I, I did not grow up in any kind of ag mm-hmm. at all. Um, I did 4-H for mm. cooking. I learned how to make guacamole. <laughs> and for sewing. Nice. I sewed the most beautiful little knit number. Um, but yeah, no ag at all. And it always astounds me. You know, I'm driving past your Brussels sprouts um, on Highway 1. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, this might be a stretch, but it's kind of like the Matrix where there's, you know, the blue pill and the red pill. Ag is happening all the time, all around us. It's entwined. I mean, there's cattle on the, you know, I can see cattle from our front window sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all around. It's entwined in everything we do. It's a huge part of our economy. But even someone like me who writes about food and farmers and wine, I don't think about it very often. And it's... That's bizarre to me. But then people who go to Cal Poly for ag, a lot of the time from what I've witnessed, it's all they think about. Right. So just interesting. Two different worlds here. I think we may have a bit of an identity crisis here in Slow County. You, you, could, you just get accustomed to it being there. Yeah, I, just, maybe that's it's, it. It's, 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 you know, we're spoiled. So I mean, it's spoiled. that's just the easiest way to put it is we're spoiled. We take it for granted um, just because it's always around us. And it's like... Mm. Oh, it's like, oh, we have water. It'll always be there. You know, we don't have to think about it. so true. So it's it's the same with with fields, with ag. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about your wife. What does she do? She is, for the most part, a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. uh, To our three wonderful little kids. Three? And how little? Um, So uh, my oldest daughter is uh, just over eight. I have Mm -hmm. a son that's five and a half. And my, my little, my little demon is, uh, she'll be two in a couple weeks. They are little. They are little. Yeah, yeah. they are little. 
Wow. Yeah. How does she do with that? Does she like being at home with them? She does. She works um, a little bit for her dad. Her dad has a transportation mm-hmm. company that she goes in and, and does some financial, some bookkeeping for. And so mm-hmm. she certainly enjoys that that time yeah. that she has with him. And and I, I we try and do a schedule every week to where she knows that's her time. Mm-hmm. And unless there's really something that that uh, an emergency or something on on the ranch or, or I'm out of town or something, you know, I, I do my best to make it home when I tell her I'm going to Yeah, just from a respect um, point mm-hmm. of view. Cause she can't be with them, you know, nonstop. And yeah. Especially right now in summer and, you know, no school. Oh, summer. I'm, I'm getting the phone calls at 10 AM. Hey, uh, when, uh, when you coming home again? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's this, I mean, your kids are still really little. I have a yeah. nine year old and a six year old, but we are just, because I don't have the younger one of your right. three, right. we're starting to enter into this amazing window of time where, I mean, yesterday I was hauling like crazy, trying to meet a deadline on my bed with my laptop, which mm-hmm. is just not good <laughs> um, for lots of reasons. But the kids are playing down in the creek. They're catching crayfish. They're picking plums from the secret plum tree down on the creek bed. And all of the neighbor kids, they're finally really, truly entertaining themselves. Yeah. And so summer is this dichotomy of like, oh, there's so much pressure to entertain them and to keep them happy and you know, well-rounded and doing camps and things like that. But honestly, it's just opening up into this sweet period of time where this is what summers should be about. Right. It's those so the, cool. The summers I remember, you know. Me too. Yeah, those are great. Um, yeah, I try and give her a break. I, I try and get yeah. the kids in, in the pickup with me and, you know, hey, let's go to the ranch. And then it's like, no, nah, we don't want to go. It's like, we'll go get an ice cream. We'll go to the ranch and get an ice cream. Okay, so then they hop in, and then it's like the negotiation starts. It's like, well, we want our ice cream before we go to the ranch. And it's like, who are you? What are you, what are you talking about right now? And it's like, and we're getting toppings, and you know, this, and it's, it's, it's funny to see the, like their little brains work, you know, like oh, the little no manipula- the little manipulation. Like, yeah, sure, Dad, let's go. I'm like, yes, they want, they want to, they want to go, yeah. they want to go to the ranch. And then it's like, no, they don't. They no. just want their ice cream, and they'll tolerate going to the ranch with Dad as long as it's not too long. And we can get back and watch Paw Patrol or fan, Fancy Nancy. You never know, though, what that could be. You could be inbuilding them for the next generation of Spinaka. I mean, you really Possibly. could. That negotiation thing. I mean, Possibly. Yeah. You know, if, if they're interested in ag, that's awesome. And yeah. if they're not, that's awesome, too. You know, I've, I've always told myself that I want to do well enough in life to help them figure out what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have this, you know... Uh, innate desire to have my son follow my footsteps or, or my daughter, you know, follow my footsteps. I, I have a desire, like I said, to do well enough to, to help them and give them the opportunities, um, to see what's out there Yeah, and see what else is out there. There's a lot, lot of other interesting, you know, industries than, than just ag Heck yeah. and ag's a grind. Sometimes you, you sometimes you're going to work, work all year and get a bill. That's just the way it's, that's just the way it's set up. I'm concerned about that. I mean, I just, the fact that it is such a grind. Um, and also, you know, um, what do we call it? Monoculture. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, fortunately here, we have a lot of diversity. Would mm-hmm. you say, am I right about oh, yeah. that? For, for the most part. Yeah. yeah. For the most part. I mean, I'm thinking Iowa, you know, the plains, the great plains right. with, you know, just one thing at a time. Right. Um, never giving the land a rest. I'm talking as though I know anything about farming <laughs> at all. 
But uh, yeah, I worry about, you know, some of those people who have big subsidies and in, in one crop at a time or two, mm-hmm. if they decide to stop or if, if it just becomes completely untenable for them to do so, mm-hmm. that's stuff that we depend upon mm-hmm. that our, you know, that our animals depend upon that all over the world depends upon. Right. Um, and it seems to me it's kind of an inverted pyramid where the most important things are not at the top and they should be. Um, it's going to get tougher and tougher, especially with, with, like you said, those monoculture, um, farms, it's going to be tougher and tougher for them to compete with, with all the the cheap imports, no matter mm -hmm. what, you know, Trump's got up his sleeve or coming out of his mouth, you know, it's going to be difficult. Um, and and it's, and it's difficult, um, for the row crops that are in this area or in the Saints Valley or all of California, you know, typically, uh, typically the row crops are, are farmed for one purpose. That's the wet rack mm-hmm. or, or the processing plants that chop it and facilitate the build out of that wet rack. Yeah. And so you get, you, you can tend to get blinders on of, you know, this is, this is broccoli. This is what it has to look like. Or we're going to have to disc it where, where we've been. When you say disc it, what does that mean? Disking it under. So you have a, you have a, a big piece of iron with iron wheels on it. That oh, you mean actually throw it into the ground. Oh, okay. that that's, that's, that's always been the, that, 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 those are your, that's your decision tree. Sell it to the fresh market and disc it. Mm. I or, thought you, I thought I was like scanning my brain. Oh. Discontinue? <laughs> Sorry. Discontinue Sorry. or like, and then I'm picturing a Frisbee. I didn't know. Okay, it's, it's, gotcha. It's like a Frisbee turned the other way. It's the evil Frisbee. It is an evil fris- Frisbee. Mm. Um, and so that's always kind of been the, the classic model. And, and one of the lessons learned from our failures was that can't be, if, if I want to stay in farming, it has to be something other than that classic model because I'm not big enough to withstand two years of bad markets, right. you know, where other, other people may or may not be able to. The margins to. are yeah, softer. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, that's where we came up with, there's, there's gotta be a, a better way. There's gotta be a better way to utilize everything that the fresh market wants, that, um, functional foods market wants. And, and, um, again, being cliche, I was, I was sitting on my tractor looking at all this kale that we had, um, organic kale that we had um, grown about five years ago for the fresh market mm-hmm. and the fresh market just took a dump it was like if I would have harvested for every box I would have harvested I would have lost like seven dollars yeah. so it's like oh okay well gosh. well it would be cheaper to cheaper to um, disc it under mm-hmm. and and about that time I got a phone call from um, a broker and he said, Hey, uh, I, I got a customer that's looking for uh, 500,000 pounds of organic collard greens. And I started laughing. I said, I said, mm-hmm. I said, I like you, but your math is really bad. I said, you know, we're, we're, we grow organic collard greens, but we move, you know, six boxes, you know, a hundred pounds a week. And you're asking for a half a million pounds. He goes, no, 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 no. It's, it's going in. This is like in November of 2015. He's like, no, no, no. It's going into the, it's going to, they're going to make powder out of it. And it's going to go into like a, I don't know, some like food thing. Mm. So I was like, some food thing, powder. I was like, I don't even know what he's talking about. So, so I literally get on Google, uh, powder, <laughs> um, uh, food, uh, industry. And the first thing that pops up is this report on the functional food industry mm-hmm. and, uh, what it's about and, and what products are, are they're looking for. And I was like, Oh my God, here's the, here is the 
answer to what the restaurant industry found the snout to tail was. Yes. You know, this is our this is our route to shoot. This is mm-hmm. this is me being able to go out and farm in arguably the most expensive area in, in the US, if not, you know, parts of the world and and be profitable. If I have a home for everything mm-hmm. I, I I grow and I plan for that versus losing twenty, thirty percent on every acre to waste, right? To waste, yeah. yeah. I, I, I can make it work. And so I did the project. I learned everything I could about, you know, what they were doing. What are you doing? Where's it going? You know, you're, how are you juicing it? You know, what's the end product? What are you looking for? And just took that and continued researching more. And there were these all these little rabbit holes I would go down. Mm-hmm. And and I told uh, Brock at the time who works with me, um, I said, hey, um, let's go to Vegas. There's this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all about ingredients. Let's just Let's just go. For big purchasers, for, for like kind bars, yeah, and, and let's Jamba just Juice and, let's just find out what it's about, you know. Yeah. Let's. Well, he's like, well, what's your game plan? I said, well, I'm gonna go buy a suit because I, I don't have one. <laughs> I'm gonna wash I, my hair. I'm gonna wash my hair. You know, I'm gonna change my boots. Um, <laughs> and I said, and he says, well, like, what are we gonna say? He said, we're gonna go up to people and we're gonna say we're farmers in California and we're looking for for ways to, uh, you know, increase profitability on our ranches and and eliminate waste. I mean, we don't, we don't want to waste it. No one would ever conceivably build something and know that you would never build a house and go, okay, well, I'm going to just throw 30% of this house away. So house true. after house, after house, after house, you just mm-hmm. wouldn't do it. Mm-mm. So why, why would we do it? You know, it's, and you're talking about like the, I mean, I remember when I was tasked with writing about this, mm-hmm. that you had a, a photo of a broccoli field mm-hmm. where 30% of what you had planted was laying waste after harvest. Correct. So what you were thinking to do was make, well, to create a whole new income channel. Correct. Using the stuff that would have just either laid there or been distended. Correct. And, and plan for that plant with mm-hmm. the plan of having all of this moved, not plant and then find out, the market's no good and you can't sell it for yeah. to cover production costs and then figure out what to do with it. I mean, kind of like kind of a, an idea is like, what if, what if we as consumers had to consume knowing that there was no garbage pickup once a week, then how we how, would do it differently. We would do it differently, yeah. but we've always had, you've always had, you know, it's not the garbage guys come on Thursday. Yeah. So, you know, squash those bags in there, you know? Um, and so we walked up to people and we said, hey, we're farmers. This is what we want to do. What do you think? Half of them said, you're crazy. Half of them said, you know, we get it cheap, cheaper than you could ever produce it from, you know, China, India. Those are the, the mm-hmm. two the two biggest places for imports. Yes, where they have very few controls. Super sketchy. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not knocking the industry that's using them right now, yeah. but but watch out. We've, <laughs> we've, uh, we've got some stuff coming that... that um, you won't be able to say no to. Yeah. And that's super, I love how clean everything is where you can point back to this pristine organic material mm-hmm. that you know it's 100% traceable, whereas right. a lot of the stuff coming from overseas, it may be fine, but it may not, and you don't know. Right. And, and, and for us, you know, we have fresh market food safety already built into our program. So this is just an extension of that. So, you know, the, the, the lot traceability, all of that infrastructure is already there. Mm-hmm. We're just bolting on a new finished product and a finished product that doesn't need to start with something that's so aesthetically pleasing as what you right. need for the wet rack. Because, you know, remember a, a vegetable's main job is not to, 
to look good. It's mm. to be nutritious. Mm-hmm. And so we're taking everything that the plant's supposed to do and just, and just utilizing that. Mm. And, um, and so it's been, it's been an interesting project. We're, you know, pushing five years on figuring out, you know, the logistics, the timing, how you're going to convert it from the raw product into a liquid and then liquid into a powder. And then what kind of powder are you going to make? There's all of these different categories. I mean, it's like, it's just like you open up a menu and the menus all beat, but there's 17 different ways to make it. And all of those have a ripple effect back to when you can farm it, when you can harvest it, how you can transport it. So it's been, uh, it's been a, a, it's been a tough project while we have our ongoing, you know, fresh market business, your regular job, just a regular job. Where has it shown up at this point that people might know if you're allowed to say, not allowed to say, okay. Yeah. But have I definitely had it though? Um, probably. Yeah, probably. So we're, we're (laughs) still, we're still working on all of that because we don't want to give away the secret sauce. Of course not. You know, because of just how much time we have invested in it and, We, we also have to, you know, protect the, the customers that we have, you know, non-disclosures with. Totally. So, but um, there'll be some, some more marketing stuff coming up here. April's got some stuff on the Hopper and Michael awesome. over at uh, Bonus Genius. So we're really excited about um, the rest of this year and moving forward. And, and uh, really um, just grateful, blessed that, you know, we've been able to come out of, you know, a just a tough situation and, Mm. and spark innovation, you know? Um, so we're excited. Yeah. It's really unique. At least it seems to be from where I stand. Mm -hmm. Um, and sure is easy to talk about once I finally got a handle on what you were trying to do Mm -hmm. and what you saw happening. Um, it's very easy to discuss. It's got health benefits. It's got, it's got the environmental thing. It's Mm -hmm. got the climate change thing. It's like, it ticks all the boxes. It also empowers the farming industry, which how often do you hear stories like that? You don't No. So yeah, it's a great movement. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I ask everybody Uh what they would eat if it were your last meal and who would be there and what would you be drinking? And you so generously brought me a bottle of Veuve Clicquot, which I, I have to say, I don't know that I've ever owned a bottle. I've always siphoned off other people's <laughs> bottles. So I know that it would be something really good. Yeah, it, it will be good. I, I, I have it every once in a while, but mm-hmm. I wanted to bring you something, bring you something special because I appreciate you thinking about me for, Thank you. for this opportunity. And, and really you've helped me as a, as a, as a, a businessman, because I've always been weak on my writing skills and always mm-hmm. wanted to improve that. And so, you know, bringing you in with, with your ability to, to, to again, help translate what I'm, what I'm trying to get across has been just, thank you. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. And I learn a lot. Um, I think just small, like plug for writers. Mm -hmm. I think that it, a lot of people are reticent to hire somebody because it feels like money. Just, you know, I I could do this myself. Mm -hmm. The truth is it's not so much the words that we write that are what you buy. What you buy is clarity because mm-hmm. we force you to think about what you want to exactly, say. Exactly, exactly. And you know, a, 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 an accounting professor, my first year at Cal Poly, I'll never forget this. He was up on on the whiteboard trying to, or I think it was, was a chalkboard at that Ew, time. Ew, yeah. so old, so <laughs> old. I know. And uh, he was trying to write something, and he kept he kept erasing it because he wasn't spelling it correctly. And he turned to the class, and it was like a big amphitheater. He said, "I just want you guys to know that." 
you will always be judged on how well you write and how well you speak. Good guy. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And so that's always stuck with me. And so I'm hypersensitive to even like emails that I send out. I'm mm-hmm. like, what am I? Oh, that doesn't make any sense at all, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so with your ability to, to help me learn um, more about what's proper and what's not, it, it's been it's been a game changer for me. Oh, awesome. Glad I can help. Yeah. So can I say small Spencer at Jocko's or has that already <gasps> been said? <laughs> oh, uh, you know how I feel about this. I know. The small Spencer, you can't get the large. No, the small is much. completely different. Yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, the, the waitress was telling us one time, there's actually a, a serious difference in the way either they oh, cook really? it or the way they cut it. Um, you can say that. I, I love, I love everything. Honestly, I'm, I'm not, oh, sorry, got to right. be closer to the mic. <laughs> um, I love everything. I really do. At but Jocko's? I, in general. Oh, <laughs> you don't, there's nothing you don't eat? Um, or you don't like? No. Really? Yeah, liver and onions. I had one time, and I used to have to serve it when I was a server at, uh, at uh, oh, I've served, I spent a long time in restaurants. Yeah. Um, started as a busboy at Pastor Robles Inn, was a oh, server whoa. at Pastor Robles Inn, used to do... Spent about eight years doing winemaker dinners uh, at Eberly oh, in wow. Pass Robles, which um, their estate cab is still for me. It's, it's delicious. It's my it's my favorite pair of jeans. You know, yeah. it never lets me down. Yeah. Um, I was at AJ Spurs back when JG oh, and my Alan gosh. owned it. And you're we, like heritage. You're like <laughs> legacy <laughs> places that yeah. you served. Yeah, I did when when uh, they converted this old house to uh, oh, yeah. to AJ's. I was there, and then when they closed that down, moved to the the Grover location. Yep which was like completely different. Oh my gosh. What year do you think you were there? Oh, I was there from 99 to the end of 01. Oh, you just missed us. We had our, uh, our rehearsal dinner there. Oh really? <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> you know, the little crocs of beans and oh, the yeah. salsa and the soup and everything. Oh, Everybody yeah. was very happy. That kept me fed in college. Um, you could do worse. Yeah, you could do no, worse I know, than right? to eat that. That's why I say I think everybody needs to do a stint in, in restaurants because it yeah. teaches you so much about people, customer service. Humility. Humility. Mm-hmm. Um, your pass or fail. Every table is pass or fail. That's right. You know, and uh, I always appreciated that. But you always have a little cash in your pocket. Mm-hmm. There's always something to eat for five bucks, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that's extremely valuable in, in college. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love I love food. I've always been, for some reason, in, involved with food. I'm either producing it, <laughs> was cleaning up after it, serving it, um, you know, trying to come up with new foods. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just always been a, a big part of my life. But um, and you're a big CrossFit guy now. I like to CrossFit a little bit. So, I go. I don't go like full Kool Aid, but you know, because I'm I'm getting older. I'm 30, 39 now, and you know, if if uh, if I pull something, that means I'm not working, which means things aren't getting done. And so, yeah. I don't go full tilt. You people are crazy. Um, no, it's, a little crazy. It's so, it's so, it's, I don't want to say it's a cult, but it's like a cult. It's very cultish, yeah. yeah. Our, our gym's the best, by the way. Brethren oh. and Morgan Hill, clearly. Nice. Um, <laughs> clearly. Uh, no, but uh, um, humility, that teaches you humility. I, I did an event um, in uh, January. It's called the NorCal Masters. So if you're 35 or older, you're, you're in the master. Masters category. So, but I was still in the like the baby one where it was like mm. 35 to 39. So it was like all the guys that just went from 34 to 35 that came out of like the CrossFit games and stuff. Oh. And I was in there with them. And there's this, there's this video that our coach took of, of me 
And then the guy that was like kicking my butt right behind me, and he was like a he was like a jackrabbit, ping 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 mm. ping, and I was struggling, mm. sweating. You can't wait to turn forty. Up. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to turn forty. Yeah, exactly. I need to get get into that category. But uh, so I've done a couple competitions, nowhere, yeah. nowhere near the middle or the top. But, but uh, do you eat the? I know there's a really common people do keto, they do paleo, they do no grain, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you eat like that? I don't. Um, my whole thing has always been, I want good habits to take me through my entire life. I don't want to just say, okay, at this point it's no carbs. Okay, well, at mm-hmm. this point in my life it's no cheese. You know, at this point in my life it's this. Like, that sounds horrible, yeah, you know? Really and so, you know, it's 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 that not a lot of one thing, just a little of everything, mm-hmm. which, I try and, which I try and do. Yeah. So, and... You know, staying active. You know, most of most of what I'm focused on is to preserve my health, so I can stay in this game as long as possible. Yeah, you need it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's nutrition, that's exercise, that's sleep, that's mm-hmm. um, you know, communication. It, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but to go along with my small Spencer, please, an Amarone. <gasps> Oh my gosh. You know, I've only that had is, a couple in my life and they are so special. They are so good. Yes. They've got that cuz they're oxidized. They're not is it well they're that's part of the process of making them is they're de- they they're dehydrate, brown. they raisin, they basically raisin the grapes before they um crush them and ferment oh. them. And I mean, if you want I could sit back with Amarone and have a conversation with it. I mean, it's... They can be completely dry, right? They're all... They're very dry. Very dry. Very uh, tannic. So that's the thing that always throws me and others. It smells like it's going to be almost like an ice vine or something like that. And it's not. It's not. It's oh, just, let's get one. We should get one. They have one at Trader Joe's right now. That's, I saw. That's where I was first introduced to it. It's like... And trust me, on Amarone's, you want... 60 bucks a bottle or yeah. north of that easy yeah. um i think trader joe's had one for like 19 bucks yeah and when i was in college i grabbed it because i thought it in college in college when the remember when trader joe's was out off of in that horrible that little horrible lot. parking lot yes i grabbed it because i thought the label looked cool <laughs> and i was like marketing is everything what is this this is this is nothing like what you're exposed to on the central coast nothing like it um and so and clearly at that point i think 19 bucks was my top of mm-hmm. the line you know with all the two buck chuck surrounding yeah. it um but as i get older and could afford it a little bit more whenever there's a whenever there's a reason to celebrate which yeah. i try and always find a reason mm-hmm. um bala amaroni that is a good i you know it would be worth my while to save up a little bit to get a good bottle because it is it's got that same it's not the same as sherry but it's got the same like mind game when you go to smell it it, mm-hmm. it is reminiscent of like it's know. so complex what's the dry sherry a- anyway like one of the high level sherries right it's delicious and it would go great with a small spencer it would go really well what else what else to eat or drink well who would be there oh who would be there um all family mm. all family yeah all family awesome yeah can I come? <laughs> Absolutely. Bring a ball of Amarone because one, one one's the, not going to go very far. <laughs> that's one of the better. That's one that like, that's a party I want to be at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Zach, you're just great. Thank you so much for coming all the way down. Thank you for having me. For I appreciate it. For bringing your sparkling and I, I can say champagne actually in your good conversation. Perfect. Thank you very much. 
Thanks so much for joining me on Consumed. To get the latest in what's going on with the podcast, sign up for the Consumed newsletter at letsgetconsumed.com or follow me on Instagram at Jamie C. Lewis. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis. Thank you.